This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. A land without love is a land shrouded in darkness, yet love is hard to kill. Love for country, friends, family, and God often endure the harshest oppressions. But love is often poisoned with hate for the people who have done us wrong. This is where the nation of Israel found itself, willing to follow anyone who had a chance of destroying the hated Romans. A group of people known as zealots had even devoted their lives to using any means necessary to achieve this purpose. This is also where we find ourselves. We love those who are like us deeply, but that love is often poisoned with hate for those of a different political, religious, or ethnic background. Into the world of the Israelites and into our world steps Jesus, who teaches us a different way of relating to our enemies. He says to love them. Then he actually does it. He heals the servant of the Roman centurion. He casts a demon out of the daughter of a Syrophoenician woman, and he goes to the cross for you and me. For we were his enemies. Advent is a time to remember that love alone will win in the end, for love never fails. The Apostle Paul reminds us of the great love of Jesus that caused him to come to this earth to save us. Listen to his words. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, you could have stayed in heaven where everyone worshipped you and everything was easy, but you came down and entered into our mess. You became completely a completely helpless baby, the creator of everything, now completely dependent on a young human couple. You grew up and faced the worst that humanity could do. Then you faced de- death and hell and the grave, the greatest of human fears, And you defeated them so entirely that they will never reign again. Now you reign victorious forever and ever. Help us this Christmas when we remember the baby Jesus resting in the manger to also remember the victorious Jesus who is reigning in glory. Help us to see this and let it rearrange our lives. Help us to remember that you did it all because you love us. And help us to remember that you love those we might consider our enemies. In the name of Jesus, who is love, we pray. Amen. Yeah. 
He is a holy Lamb of God. Um, would it help you if I just took the coat off today? Would that maybe help? I know Jeremy said, yeah. <laughs> Jeremy said he couldn't concentrate, and so we'll just take it off and simplify matters. But 
Uh, as announced a couple of weeks ago, for each Sunday leading up to Christmas, we're featuring one Christmas song that launches us into our study of the Word. And, and today, and even though this lesson will not quite follow the pattern of the past two Sundays, yet we're going to talk about the very best Christmas song ever. But before we do that, on the lighter side, I want you to try to think of the very worst Christmas song ever. And, and, and I'm sure you're way too efficient with your time management to do this, but I actually took some time this past week and thought about some really bad Christmas songs. And, and, uh, and I know this was a waste of time, but I found out that there are dozens of websites dedicated to bad Christmas songs. And so this morning we're going to do something a little different than what we would normally do on the Sunday before Christmas. We're going to play snatches of seven different Christmas songs that I am officially labeling as bad Christmas songs. Now, before we play these songs, I know some of you are going to get upset. I, I, I know that. Uh, you know, some of you who are more spiritual than I'll ever be, you're going to say, I can't believe you're playing these songs in the house of the Lord. Pastor, shame on you. I, I accept your chastisement, but as they say, it's easier to get forgiveness than permission. So just go ahead and forgive me in advance. Others of you will get upset because you will say, but pastor, I like that song. Well, you're probably messed up in other areas as well. You probably watch ice skating during the Olympics or uh, probably don't even spank your kids or something like that. I'm sorry, just forgive me. I can't believe I said that. But uh, anyway, if you, if you get upset and decide to email me, just so you've got my right email address, my current email address, it's jimpertle at yahoo.com, Okay. <laughs> So go ahead and put that down. Um, okay, are you ready? Are, are you ready? This first song I know will upset some of you and, and would definitely upset my wife. As Jim said, she's not here. She flew to Albania. I think she was trying to avoid being in the same continent as I wore my Christmas outfit. Uh, but anyway, this is our little secret. Don't tell her, okay? And I hope she's not watching the live stream. You know, she said she was going to try to, so she may actually see that. But... Let's go ahead and play this first bad song. I know that offends you, Chance, Brian. In my humble but very accurate opinion, that's a bad Christmas song. Okay, let's go to another song that I think will upset a few of uh, others of you as well. And yeah, let's just go ahead and play that one. Grandma got run over by a reindeer. Oh, that is a bad, bad Christmas song. Um, what do you think about this one right here? That's enough of that one, too. 
Okay, here's one by James Brown, so you can kind of imagine what that's going to be like. Don't you like this beat? Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. Hitch up your reindeer. Go straight to the ghetto. Santa Claus. Go straight to the ghetto. Fill every stocking you find. The kids are gonna love you so. Uh. Mm, that hurts, doesn't it? And this is one of Chance's favorite songs. Listen to this one right here. Hey, jingity jing, it's Dominic the donkey. Jingity jing, the Italian Christmas donkey. La 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 la. Now this is going to be really, really one of your favorites. You know, for for some of the older generation here, you're going to like this one. And then different internet sites had this one as one of the worst. And and let me just kind of qualify this. This is real life. And it's it's sad, but it's real life. And, and, and again, that's that's reality in our community, in, in our country. And so we, we, we kind of chuckle about that, but that is the sad truth in many homes. Enough bad Christmas songs, but now let's turn the question around and ask, what would be the best Christmas song ever written? Remembering that Christmas is about Jesus, what would be the best Christmas song? And, and I don't really know if there's one song that we could say is the absolute best, but probably one of the top songs would be The Messiah, you know, by George Frederick Handel. And, and, and this is not my, my favorite style of music, but as I reviewed the lyrics, I got blessed because many of the words come directly from Scripture. And, and how many of you have ever participated? You've sung this, uh, you know, the, the Messiah. Anybody here? How many of you have heard it? A few of you have, and, and whenever they reach the hallelujah chorus, you can't help but just jump to your feet in worship. Another great Christmas song is A Holy Night, and we focused on that song a couple of weeks ago. And another song, even though it's just a simple Christmas carol, yet it announces that Jesus has been born, and it says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. And that's Christmas right there. That's the Christmas message. Now, now something else, a, a good song has a way of blending the perfect melody with the right lyrics or the right words. And, you know, for example, if we were writing a, a country and western song, we would include these elements. There would be a guitar, 
the person singing might have a little bit of a nasal tone. Uh, the, the, the lyrics would have to include a pickup. They would talk about mama. There'd be a bar, a bar fight, probably an extra woman in there someplace. And, and then, of course, the dog. You've got to have those elements for a good country and western song. Now, when you go to write a Christmas song, the, the melody, the elements, you know, the melody and, and the words must fit together as well. For example, the one who wrote Silent Night did a good job of perfectly blending together the melody with the words. And then even though this song is not a church song that talks about Jesus, yet it's one of our favorite jingle bells and, and uh, talks about joy and joy should go along with the Christmas season. And, and while singing this song, you can just kind of imagine a horse trotting along and pulling a sleigh in the snow with bells jingling. So, so today, as we talk about the best Christmas song ever, we need to have the right tune. We need to have the right words. And the right word should be about celebrating the birth of Jesus, not Santa, baby, not Dominique the donkey, not grandma getting run over by a reindeer, not being awed by the beautiful harmony of the chipmunks. It needs to be about Jesus. So here's what we're going to do this morning. Since I really couldn't identify the best Christmas song for the next 20 minutes or so, you and I are going to write a Christmas song. And we're going to make it the best Christmas song ever written. I've never written a song in my life. You'll have to help me, but together I think we can do it. Now, as we begin this process, we need to ask, what message should this best Christmas song present? Well, I think the first verse should emphasize the truth about the human condition. You know, if we're going to write the best Christmas song ever, the starting point has to tell about messed up humanity. Because man by himself is not a disaster waiting to happen. He's a disaster that's already happened. Romans chapter 3 verse 10 talks about this. And, and this is a very humbling verse because it tells the truth about you and about me. Here's what it says. There is no one righteous, not even one. You think you're good? Wake up and smell the roses. You're not good. You're not even close. You're, you're bad to the bone, and that's not a compliment. You know, sometimes I hear people say, well, you know, I've really never been that bad. Yes, you have. And I have too. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. Well, it goes on in verse 11, and, and it says, There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They've together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. That's you. That's me. Uh, the poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. That's you. That's me. That Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and, and, and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So these verses give the unfiltered truth about you and me. We are such messed up people. And so we need to begin the best ever Christmas song by telling the truth about who we really are. And since the tune needs to match the lyrics, then probably to go along with those words of our messed up condition, the first verse should be carried out with chords and a minor key. 
because it must depict sadness and shame and guilt, disease and failure. And furthermore, I realize this is tragic, but as we write this first verse, we need to imagine the weeping of parents and the screams of babies as King Herod has all baby boys two years and under killed. Think about that. And to also help set the tone for this verse first, first verse, 160 years or so before Herod killed these baby boys, we can't forget the cruel Antiochus Epiphanes who marched on Jerusalem. And, and listen to this, he massacred men, women, children, 80,000 of them in three days. With another 80,000 being sold into slavery. But then the melody and the words of this song also need to take into account the stench from Hitler's furnaces as he took the lives of six million Jews. And then it needs to reflect Joseph Stalin's reign of terror that is reported to have taken the lives between 25 and 30 million people. And then this verse, listen, needs to then employ some silence to speak for the 30 to 50 million little babies over the last several decades whose lives have been taken through abortion and they never got to experience the beauty of a sunrise or the joy of opening a gift on Christmas Day or the thrill of falling in love with someone. Their life was taken in the womb. This verse needs to incorporate the sickening crash of planes into skyscrapers and and the searing heat and and the choking smoke that killed thousands on what we now refer to as 9-11. The first verse is not a happy verse. There's no cheer from this verse. But the starting point must clearly articulate the despair and utter wickedness and, and hopelessness of humanity. Well, thankfully, the Christmas song, this Christmas song doesn't end there. Let's start working on the second verse. And as we do so, we now need to emphasize the message of redemption. And the redemption story in the Bible begins with a promise. That the prophet thousands of years ago foretold many things about this one who would be called Messiah. They foretold his ancestry, his birthplace, his temperament, his mother's strange pregnancy, his birth, his life, his miracles, his teachings, his death, his resurrection, and even his second return that we're still waiting for today. But but there's something very important here. The second verse can't just stop with the promise of a redeemer. Because a promise that is all talk and no action is empty. So yes, we need to begin with the promise of a Messiah. But then we need to document that this Messiah named Jesus was actually born. This is an historical event. Now, probably at this point, the melody of the song should change with the different stages of his life. Maybe it could begin with a lullaby theme as it talks about his childhood. But then as he becomes a teenager, maybe the song should take on a little bit more contemporary flavor to reflect his teenage years. But then as he becomes an adult and Jesus begins to perform miracles, the style of music again should change and it should become big dramatic music that would go along with each miracle that Jesus performs. But then, as Jesus nears Gethsemane and Calvary, the mood of the music should once again change to somber music. It should reflect the atmosphere of a man's life getting ready to be be executed on a cross. And as Jesus is placed on that cross, maybe somehow with symbols, we ought to be able to hear the hammer hitting the nails 
that go into the hands and feet of Jesus. And then maybe with the drum, we ought to be able to hear the the sickening thud as the cross is raised up and and dropped into the hole. And, And then we need some sound effects depicting the tearing of the flesh of Jesus when the base of that cross suddenly stops at the bottom of that hole. Well then, at this point, the music ought to change to where it causes the hair on the back of our necks to stand straight up. As we feel the forces of hell fighting against the forces of heaven in the battle of the ages. And as the earth begins to shake, and as Jesus cries out in agony, that the music should swell in volume and cause us to not only experience fear, but it should cause us to experience heartbreak. As Jesus, the Son of God, is about to take his last breath. And then as the sun goes dark, the music should stop. As Jesus, having paid the price for the sins of mankind, is laid in a borrowed tomb. And probably at this point, the verse could end with the words, it is finished, being repeated again and again and diminishing whispers. It is finished. It is finished. It is finished. Finished. Well, again, thankfully, our song doesn't end with that verse either. And after the hopelessness of the first verse and the sadness of the second verse, it's time for us to emphasize the theme of hope. Because even though Jesus' work of redemption was finished, yet Jesus was not finished. And about now, I think the music should take on another change in style and it it should leave that slow and mournful style and begin to take on energy. And I was trying to think of how how best to maybe put a... uh, you know, words and, and just the energy into this song. I, I thought of a thousand voice choir of spirit-filled African-Americans. And this part has to be loud. Very loud. And I'm sorry, if you don't like loud music, just turn down your hearing aid because this has to be loud. This part of the song should make the building shake, the windows rattle, your false teeth clatter. There needs to be energy and emotion and I've, I've told you the story, and I, I've told this a couple of times at, at funerals, but a black preacher who was preaching a funeral, and he was preaching with power and emotion and anointing, as seemed like only our African-American brothers can. And for a, while, for a while, he stood behind the pulpit and preached to the congregation about the saving grace of Jesus. And then he walked over to the family and, and preached to, to them from, from John chapter 14 about you know, the, the mansions in heaven prepared for those who love Jesus. And, and finally, he walked over to the casket and preached to this dead man for about 20 minutes. His, uh, the deceased's name was Clarence. And, and he went on how Clarence, you know, he was such a loving man and, and selfless. And he did so much for the church and the, and the community. And, and when he had spoken about 20 minutes, he, he said all he could think about Clarence. And he said, Clarence, I'm done. And Clarence, when you're done, it's time to quit. So Clarence, we don't say goodbye around here because we will see you again. So I just say, good night, Clarence. And with that, he slammed the casket lid down. And immediately that black choir jumped to their feet, erupted with the song, in that great getting up morning, we shall rise. And as only a spirit-filled black choir could do, they set that place on fire 
with their singing. And so at this point in the song that we're writing, we need energy. We need emotion. We need volume. We need a beat that helps us celebrate the resurrection. Well, as we uh, try to finish up our best Christmas song ever written, we need to get to get in the facts that because of this resurrection, the weak can now be made strong. The broken, are you broken? The broken can now be fixed. The lost can now be found. The divided can now be united. The impossible can now be made possible. And what this does is that it gives us hope, gives hope to those whose marriage is in trouble. Did you hear that? Struggling in your marriage? This gives hope. This gives hope to parents of children that have made a mess out of their lives. Did you hear that, parents? Kids have made a mess. This gives hope. This gives hope to broken relationships that seem irreparable. You know, this Christmas season, as I said last week, it's, it's a great magnifier. It magnifies the good and makes the good really good, but it magnifies the bad and makes it really bad. And And sometimes those relationships where there's been tension, it just seems like it will always be that way, but that gives hope to those relationships. Maybe somebody needs this. This gives hope to that childless couple who is so desperate to have a child of their own. This gives hope to the destitute. They don't know how they're going to pay for their rent. This gives hope to those with cancer. This gives hope to those with Alzheimer's disease. And listen, I think somebody needs this. This gives hope to those who will be alone this Christmas. And may we never forget, most of us will gather with our families. We'll be together, celebrating Christmas together. You know, around an amazing meal, don't forget, there are some people this Christmas and in this church they will be celebrating Christmas alone if that's you that gives you hope because you're not really alone you're not alone Christmas is about hope so this song that we've written I think it's a great song even if we did it You know, the first verse is given the awful condition of man. The second verse has documented the story of redemption, but the third verse has offered us hope. Now, on this Sunday before Christmas, let me bring this down to a personal level. Because if you find yourself empty today, the Christmas story gives you that hope. And hope has a name. You realize that? In fact, joy has a name. Peace has a name. Love has a name. And that name is Jesus Christ. And so today, regardless of your situation, there's hope for you. Now before we go, I want to remind you again what Christmas is about. I think so many times we forget We forget about Christmas. 
And how many times have we said, how many times have we heard said, well, you know, we're getting together with family and that's what Christmas is all about. That's not what Christmas is all about. That's a side benefit. It's nice that we get to do that. But Christmas is about Jesus. And we're going to give gifts to each other. But wait, wait a minute. Who's, whose birthday is it? What kind of gift are you going to give him? That kind of shook me this week. You know, we spend, I've heard, I don't remember what the average is that families spend for Christmas. And it's, it's an enormous amount. In fact, it takes two or three months to kind of recover from the Christmas spending. We do all of that. But what, what gift are we really going to give Jesus? Have you thought about that? Have you factored that into your Christmas plans? And really when it comes down to it, you know, Jesus doesn't need an iPhone. Jesus doesn't need the latest toy. Jesus doesn't need a diamond. You know, he created all that stuff. He's got plenty of that. You know what Jesus wants? The only thing he wants it's you. It's you. And so I was just thinking this week as I was praying about this service, I thought, you know, the very best thing that we could do is for all of us is to just come to Jesus. And I don't care if you've been serving the Lord. There are some of you, you've been serving the Lord longer than I've been around. And But I think Jesus would be pleased if all of us this morning would just recommit ourselves to him and say Jesus I'm going to give you a gift the very best gift that I have that's me myself and I I know life is tough I know things happen at work things happen at home things happen in our society things happen in our country and it's easy to get off track But I believe that Christmas, during this Christmas season, it would please Jesus for us to come back to him and give him a gift today, the gift of ourself. So as we pray, would you do that? You say, well, I'm serving God. Good. Why don't you just let him know that you're still going to serve him? Just recommit yourself to him. Would you bow your heads, please? Oh, Father, I want to thank you that you sent your son, Jesus. I want to thank you that you did it despite the unfiltered truth about us, which we're messed up people, none good, we're all bad nothing good about us when our lips are poison cursing there's no righteousness in us so Lord it wasn't like uh, you came for good people you came for bad people which we all are thank you that you loved us despite our failures despite the fact that some of us were alcoholics or 
that we were immoral, that we were addicted to pornography, that we were into drugs, that we were full of legalism. Or all of those things that, God, most of us, it's been part of us. You loved us despite that. And God, forgive us for those years that we've given presents to everybody else, but we didn't give it to you, Jesus. And so, Lord, pray that you would just help us right now to be able to make that new commitment to you. To give you a Christmas present. The present of ourselves. And God, that we would recommit to your plan, to your purpose. And maybe where we've strayed away, maybe those areas where we've kind of gotten slack on and whatever it is. Lord, that we would come back and, and Father, forbid that we would focus on doing. So many times we, we come back and it's all about doing. I'm going to do this and this and this. But Lord, it's about being. It's about abiding in Jesus. That's what it's about. And sometimes we can't grasp that because we, we think we've got to check things off our list. But we just need to be. We need to abide in the vine and and so, Lord, this year I pray that we wouldn't necessarily do more. But, Father, I pray that we would be yours. Would you fill us with your spirit? Lord, would you change us from the inside out? And then, Lord, as we come up to Christmas here in a couple of days... We'll be celebrating with families. And I pray, God, for every one of our celebrations, Lord, that we have anything to do with. I pray that we would take time to remind our families that it's about Jesus. Lord, wherever we are in our community, as we come in contact with others that may be alone, that may not understand Christmas, I pray that not in a in-your-face way, but just in a very calm, godly, loving way. We would let them know that Christmas is about Jesus, that we would point them to Jesus Christ. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.